Hey, what's up? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. We got a special guest, my buddy Marcos from Standards. Marcos came through. He was hanging out in New York for a week or two, and he took the train down to beautiful New Brunswick, New Jersey, the most beautiful town or city in New Jersey. But it was fun. Uh, we got to hang out a bit. We got to record a podcast in person, which is something I haven't done in like a year and a half. A lot of it's or all of it's been through Zoom, which, you know, it works. But this was fun because we were in the same room. It's just a different vibe. We got to talk shit about the music industry. We got to talk shop. You know, um, if you know Marcos and you know Standards, you know he's like really driven, has like a really good work ethic, good head on his shoulders. The band just released a new single. It's called Papaya. They have an EP coming out. It's called Yum. And you could pre-order vinyl for that now. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was that like their last album wasn't on a label. I mean, sorry, their last album was released through a record label, and this one isn't. You know, so I, I know a lot of people in bands think record labels are like the saving grace all the time, but it really depends what you want, what your goals are, how much work you're willing to put in, and all that. So it, it was pretty inspiring talking to him. I like talking to him because the, it like makes me feel like I gotta get my shit together. <laughs> it was good. Uh, one more thing I gotta mention is that. We used uh, Marcos's camera to record the podcast, like the video. He's got a really nice camera because he's like an influencer. <laughs> he's an influencer or whatever. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, we used his camera to record and uh, it cut out after 30 minutes. So if you're watching this on YouTube after 30 minutes, there won't be any video. I'm sorry, but you can still listen on YouTube and you can listen on iTunes and on our website as well. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you. We are... Well, I'm doing your job for you. Do it. We are live on the Choke Fartist podcast. Dude, don't come in here disrespecting me. <laughs> How dare you? Whatever, man. <laughs> I do what I have to do. It's good to have you back. It's good to see you again. It's good. To, I'm worried about that mic level now. Yeah. I'm going I'm to crank you a bit. Okay. okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Okay. I think we're good now. It's very like you to keep me low. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Marco show. Everywhere you go, dude. Oh, now you're too high. <laughs> It's tricky, right? Well, it's very dynamic, but yeah. it is what it is. Okay, yeah. sorry. Anyway. Should we start over? Or? No, let's just keep going. When yeah, it's fine. Who's even listening yeah, at this that's point? A good, that's a good point. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you're in town. I'm here. I decided to trek to New Jersey, um, and we're going we're gonna to chat. Yeah, we're talking shop here. So I guess the, we should talk about how much your life has changed. Since the pandemic started, dude, everyone's life has changed, and we've been catching up before the camera was rolling. But wow, yeah, things are different. Yeah. yeah, things are wild. I will say, I think you're a little so. You know, Marcos tours with standards, right? Is that mm. is it fair to say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it? Can we say that on here? Yes, uh, we yeah. can. Okay, so <laughs> no, but you know, touring was a big. I mean, it's a big part of any musician's income, and it was cut off from you right when things were starting to get to a point where it felt like it could be a well i think you can you can understand too is like it's more of a diy thing for bands to tour around and to sort of to share their art everywhere and i think that's not really what we're seeing anymore but like as of right now things are looking a bit better which is yeah. cool yeah. yeah things so, are wild yeah well you were saying before you don't know if you'll ever be able to get out there in a full capacity again. And I, th I think you got to wait a little before. Right. You know, so much is changing. Joe, you got to talk. Ah, damn it. All right. You're like, you're, yeah. All right. Come on, dude. Well, 
We got we got to show we got to show the kids how it's done. Yeah, we're like a professional. Marcos brought his nice camera, and uh, it's making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to this. No, it's we're just we're just here, just pretending like it's not here. We're just yeah, gonna, we're just gonna roll it, roll with it. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know, dude. Like, what's so? I mean, on your end with with vinyl and stuff, have you seen that slow down at all? Yeah, and you know, everything has been pushed back. The supply chain backed up. The Suez Canal literally fucked up vinyl production. Really? For the for the plants you were going through, also. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So a from the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah. Huh. P- pirates in A to Z. I get, I don't know how it all works, but I know that vinyl is usually three to four months, and now it's like six to twelve. Right. Right. right? So. I mean, for people who don't know, like vinyl is like definitely more of an integral part of like bands and how they make money how they sell things and vinyl is like a very like i feel like a really cool way to get stay in touch with people like with your releases but a lot of that stuff goes through the czech republic um yeah which Um, i guess i didn't know was getting shipped out of the suez canal that's wild yeah it's strange did not know um, that it did cause some delays at the plant over there but yeah and i think the technology for pressing plants is so like antiquated still yeah like they're not really building new presses too often right and it kind of, um, you know, everything's backed up now. And then and then you can't play shows on top of it. It's just not a great time. No, it's not. Yeah. But I do agree that it's funny. I was reading something that Trent Reznor, the Nine Inch Nails guy, yeah. said about how vinyl is cool. It's a tangible piece of art. And, like, you know, because I'm very anti-capitalist, so, like, I think all <laughs> merch is stupid, even the stuff I Yeah, sell. we don't like the corporate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a punk rock here. But, yeah, he was like, you know, there's something to... You having a tangible item in someone's house because, like, you're literally a part of their home now where, like, it just keeps you and your art in their, like, head. Even in the back of their head, they'll walk past your record every day. Right. You know? But it's also cool because you can – it's it's a medium that you can express, like, you know, like, I think we're more of, like, a colorful, fun band. Like, we can pick, like, a pastel vinyl with, like, a splatter or, like, something like that. Like, I think that's super cool that you can express your, your art in the vinyl. Like, that is something that's really cool. Yeah. I don't really see that too often. Like CDs is just like this tiny little thing. Like nobody really listens to CDs anymore. No. Yeah, the streaming thing is is so big, and it's it's kind of weird too because I think streaming gives people like a weird sense of like. And I think that's something I'm actually curious what you think of because I think streaming, in my perception, like some artists are really big on streaming, and then they play a show and like nobody comes. But then yeah. sometimes it's vice versa. Like there's an artist and they don't have a lot of streams, but then they have like tons of people come and see them. Like the scene comes out for that band, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. There's so many avenues that you can like kind of carve a lane or like, you know, I'm not on TikTok. Are you on TikTok? I was on TikTok. I, I actually really like TikTok. I think it's really funny, but as a creator, it's hard for me to be on TikTok because I feel like you have to be so invested in the platform. Like there's so many different like things going on and you have to like constantly be like on and like, uh, there's just like a lot of pressure to like blow up or to like get people to get pay attention to you and then keeping those people it just all of those things gave me a headache and it was hard for me to it, I think stand. it requires uh, because it's for it seems like it's aimed towards younger people but it requires the more constant attention that I think I I think you've kind of distanced yourself from a little bit yeah like with the constant like all this stuff but yeah well because I was gonna say TikTok is like an avenue where like labels are paying TikTok to promote songs now right so they can blow up on there but well it's like a it's like a hit machine now yeah. like seriously bands you'll go on like their Spotify and it's like one song has like a hundred million plays and then the other ones have like a million each and it's like that's the one that blew up on TikTok like yeah. it's wild it's wild and it's not tangible so it's you know it exists 
<laughs> in your phone. Right. And then, again, sometimes, like you were saying, it doesn't yield results in real life. Sometimes For pop stars, I'd imagine it does. But I think there's no right or wrong way to do anything now. But it is interesting to see how things play out and how it's, like, not always, like, guaranteed. If you have 100,000 monthly listeners, sometimes it doesn't mean shit. Sometimes it just means a publicist or a label played, paid money to get you on a playlist. It's true. I think I think the, it's, like, the longevity of it, right? Like, I think... There's some things that were popping off like five years ago. I think t- time will always tell like how good something is. Yeah. And I think that's something that was really hard for me, especially during COVID, because it's like I, I'm really grateful for people that really like my music. But it's it's difficult to sustain yourself unless you have lots of people that like your music. And it's like I feel bad almost that I like what I like because I wish that I could do something more accessible. But at the same time, I'm doing something that's truly me and that it, I'm not. I'm not making any of this as a fabrication. Yeah. And if I did do that, that might even be worse in a weird way because people would expect that, you know? I mean, that's kind of like selling out, right? Like I guess that is what selling out turns, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, not being true to yourself. And I think there's a difference between like, you know, do we need a three minute guitar solo in the song? Maybe dial it back. To, like, you know, that's maybe just a good taste call overall because who needs a fucking guitar solo anymore. <laughs> just in general. Like, I don't know what the last one I liked Dude, was. Dude, I, I, I took a, one of my first classes at CalArts when I was doing my undergrad was like, it was concert production. And um, I don't even remember how my teacher started talking about it, but he's like, I hate guitar solos. Jimi Hendrix did the guitar solo. It was cool then. It's not cool now. He was like so upset about like guitar solos. He's like, nobody thinks it's cool anymore. And it's like, <laughs> What if this guy thinks that? What does everyone else think, you know? Like, I think I agree. Dude. It's funny. Yeah, it's hard. It just sounds like noise to me. Dude, honestly, even fucking tapping riffs sometimes now. I think, like, Finn McKenty did a video on, like, progressive music, but he called the riff salad, where it's like, yeah, you picked, you know, there's eight notes in the key. You picked 40 of them. You just jammed them all together, and, like, sometimes it, like, it, it's missing, like, the lyricism, like, especially in, like, instrumental music. Like, right. it doesn't carry anything. Like, you know, there's something to writing a melody and not just being, like, notes, fucking notes. And this is coming from the guy that plays an invoice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, but I think you, it takes one to know one, right? Like, you, you, you do what you do, but you understand, like, time and place, and there's, like, context, right? Like, yeah. And yeah. I, I agree. Like, I think when I first started playing guitar in that way, I was, like, so excited at the possibility, but, like, I realized, like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And I yeah. started scaling it back more and more. And, like, now with the new EP that's coming out, well, I think by the time this comes out, it'll it'll be for available for pre-order. Go pre-order it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you sent me the video. It's very cool. Thank you, dude. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that, there's, no, there's not really any tapping in that song. Like, just very brief, not a lot of notes. Yeah. It's very, very much more laid back. It's a vibe, dude. It's a vibe. <laughs> it's a vibe. Lo-fi standards to study and relax to. That's what we want. No, it's very good. I was saying it felt like you leveled up in your production, the production value, like all the electronic stuff and like, I don't want to say chip tuny, but like, you know, that vibe of it that you brought in really helped bring a new energy to it and I think made it stand out. No, I appreciate that. Like, I, I think the way that I started thinking about it was like in the vein of like, I do what I do and it's what I want like to be my singular thing. It felt like I should make something like, in a, like you said, chip tuny, but you're kind of in the right way. Like I wanted to feel like you're in your own video game. That's like my video game, yes. <laughs> you know, like I made it or something yeah. like it's like its own world and it's removed from other sorts of artists and genres and just scenes. It's just its own monolithic thing. Yeah. 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 So it, that's kind of what I hoped. So I'm glad that it came across that way a bit. So from when like Fruit Island came out, you know, from that point, the reception it got 
did you decide then creatively you wanted to take a new direction? Well, that album was weird because like, and I, I think you, you, we were talking about this earlier, like how, you know, you were touring a bunch and you were just going all around and like the effect that it took on your health. For me, I think it affected my creativity because I was so freaking tired every day, like touring. And I even remember when we did this last time, two years ago, I was so exhausted. And then we had a show later that night. Like yeah, we one was sick. Yeah, sick. we all just had to like, you know, it's very difficult to do that, but it's something that you know, I want to do. And it's something that also it's very good for the band because you make more money so you can make more records and you can pay, you know, your bills and shit. Like, yeah, that's just how it is. But, um, that, uh, that record took, it was like songs spanning back three years and I was just getting songs that I, f- like, I didn't feel like I was doing as much work as I could have on that. And I think also when the album was getting finished, COVID had just hit. So we had a bunch of problems with getting mixes finished on time because there was all like a bunch of displacement happening because of that. Yeah. There it just every aspect of the record was frustrating. Yeah. The vinyl got goofed on. Too, the vinyl right? got Yeah, well that was not that was not anyone's fault. It's really just again COVID like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a huge bummer like that is not a, none of that went the way that I wanted it to. Yeah. And it's it's like part of it is just that's life and that's how things go. But the other part of it was like, how can I make sure that I can give like people a better experience and I can make a better record? Yeah. So I think going from that, I was like, I wanted to do like what I what I'm doing now with this EP and like going. I've already started writing beyond that, too, and trying to be like, I want to just deliver this really solid sort of thing versus like I felt it was a bit haphazard. A lot of the things were it's not exactly the way I wanted it to sound. And I think a lot of the songs, you could cut them and it wouldn't change the. But I guess you're your own worst critic, right? Yeah. So what I, I think it's good. <laughs> Thanks, I think it's like mature. Thanks, dude. Yeah. For, and then I think this next stuff is more fun and yeah. like not, not as a knock to the older stuff. Right. Just like kind of more like you're like, you know what you want to do. Like of you course. were saying. Yeah. Yeah. But also I think like as an artist, it's difficult once you come out with one or two releases because it's like if you do the same thing again. It's not like, do you remember in like 2012 or something where like all the metalcore bands, they just did the same album over and over again. And yes. it's like that you're just, you're digging yourself a grave. And it's like, I would, I would, it would actually be easy to just write like tappy mathy stuff. Sure. But then it's like, how many, how many times is that just going to. Yeah. Cause those, those metalcore bands had like the machine of independent or major labels pumping like advertising. Yeah. Money and like convincing 14 year olds that their band and their haircuts were cool, you know, like. <laughs> Or well, they did convince them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they looked cool as shit, honestly. <laughs> but it's it's different for you. And also, like, I, I've probably said this to you before, but it's like you put in so much legwork that when you had a, you know, some people think they get signed at Top Shelf Records and they've made it and that's it. Like, I know bands that are like, we need to get signed. And it's like, for what, though, if you're not already putting in a lot of the legwork, which right. you naturally, I don't know if it's natural. I know you fucking work hard, but you have that in you to do it. You know, thanks, dude. So yeah. that gives you more legwork, like more of like um, you have more weight when you're like negotiating or like working with labels. Right. Because they're not like, well, we have to put all this money in like, you know. Yeah. So. Well, but it's it's a different time also. Like, I think getting signed back in the day, it was a little bit more essential from what I understand. Dude, it's all I wanted in high school. Really? I literally used to go because I played in like, a, I don't know if it's metalcore or melodic post Tarko, who cares but like i would go to like record label websites and like just read their rosters and like the contact forms and then like the older i got i was like i don't know if i need this and now it's like 
I just put out the records I do, and now people ask me to sign them, and I'm like, this isn't going to change your life by any means. No, but I mean, I think, like, so I think there are, uh, like, benefits and stuff, but also, like, when you get that email from a label, like, we got we got emails from li- little labels and then, like, one bigger one, and the bigger one, they didn't want to sign us, they just wanted to chat, Okay. and we did meet them, but it was ve- it was not a good fit, and I can, t- like, they just wanted to keep us in... On the radar. Yeah, exactly. Like they wanted to establish contact, and then it never materialized anything. But it was for the it was for the better. Because now when I see bands on those labels, it's like we would not fit with that roster at all. Okay. But a label, like a label, is more or less just like like a like a a bank, and they just like loan you money because anything they send, they give you, they want it back. Yes. And you're. It's just like it. It was scary now because I feel like going independent was a great thing for me to do because i really love being hands-on with everything like i and it's just something i can't help and but it was scary because it's like now i'm paying up front for all these things but it's like you would have paid anyway you just would it would have been delayed you know yeah so and and there would be would there be interest on it or or i guess they would just take a cut of profit that you yeah yield. well i mean that's a stand that's a typical deal that's how it works yeah i remember reading a book actually about like punk rock music like the <laughs> yes <laughs> no it was like for a class that i took and it was like post punk uh it was everything from like oh i can't even remember like the 70s to the 9 i can't remember but it was like the you know they, it, it focused on the history of rough trade i don't know if you're familiar with that label rough trade no they're from uh i can't remember the town so i'm not going to say but they were the pioneers of the 50/50 deal cuz usually labels would you know it you know, so it was like 50/50 uh, they go in with you, they pay for everything, they get their money back, and then they go 50-50. And that's a pretty typical deal for an indie label now. But yeah. back in the day, it was very different. Yeah. Yeah, like band- labels didn't work that way. Yeah, because I think labels started because there was literally, the means of producing music was so So scarce. limited, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but so also distribution and promotion. And like yeah. now, literally, you can just go on TikTok and like make something that's sick. And if people like it, they'll like follow you and that's it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I don't know what in-store distribution. I think there is like a network of people that go to stores and stuff, but there's distributors. But honestly, fucking independent record stores are fucking scar- scarce. Scarce. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They don't. They barely exist. The the vintage vinyl in New Jersey is closed down. It's like one of the better ones, but it's like you can maybe get your record into like thirty shops in the country, maybe forty or fifty, where it's worth it. Like right. at the level that we're at, and then right. once you're like. You know, whatever, asking Alexandria or something. I'm sure you can get like Best a Buy and Target. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. it takes a while to get to that point, and I don't even know the weight. It's, I mean, I'm sure it's worth something. Yeah. I have the problem where I'm like, I'm always down here looking up at the music industry. I'm like, I don't need that shit. But like, if I was ever in a band that was like a little bigger, maybe some of those things would make sense. Yeah, it just some of it sometimes to me feels like a bit of a circus. Like, and there's a lot of weight writing on like, whether these 10 songs on your record are going to be very good or not and it's yeah. diff- i think it's really hard to i think it's so much better to just be in control of what you're doing just put out and do everything yourself and like just kind of run it more like a mom and pop shop instead of like a sort of like a hyped up like i don't know yeah, yeah. like what you're describing like yeah I, a lot of musicians are i think a little dis- disillusioned about it where it's like oh we made it but it's like what is what does that mean in that sense it's like it means yeah. something different to everyone. For me, making it is like if I'm making a living, I'm yes. making it. Like, yes. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I think people picture like just thousands of fans, but they don't think about the actual work going in. So then it's like, 
for a lot of people of like dude there's tons of bands on labels that no one cares about oh 100 percent. well actually it's interesting when i see labels signing like i feel like a lot of labels now will do like they'll cast a wide net and just pick up a bunch of artists because they can always drop you yeah and if you don't like they're just they're just getting in their bets early and it doesn't really cost them anything to just do that you know it's funny like uh because i was like i'll go on like label like bigger labels youtube pages sometimes and there was like at least five labels like equal vision fearless hopeless they all have like white guy rap pop like pop punk vibe. oh it's like, a new so thing yeah because yeah. machine gun kelly dude like yeah yeah you gotta follow the money they're know? all trying because you know they'll all invest because if one of them hits it's fucking it's, yeah it makes yeah money. exactly right yeah. And, yeah and that's and that's the unfortunate thing too is that people don't read their contracts and they don't understand like um i would never sign away my masters or my publishing those yeah. are things that i've realized are so so important and so, like, if you ever are doing something like that, you have to ret- you have to make sure you're licensing your music and you're, they're not retaining your masters. Because, like, there's so many artists will just, like, sign stuff and then it's, like, cool, now, like, you just have lost everything for life. They own yeah. the music. It's like they wrote the song at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, like, traps everywhere that you fall into. Like, um, have you heard of, like, Perpetuity, for instance? Like, sometimes management or even labels will sign clauses into their things. Like, for example, like a manager... Um, who manages you now, they will sneak in a clause saying that they have perpetuity for whatever you do in the future, which just means, like, even after you they stop representing you, they still collect money wow. from you. Yeah, That's and it's, it's like you, you, have to, you have to look through that stuff and make sure that you're not, you know. And again, if the label has your master's, it's the same thing. They make money no matter what. Like yeah. it's 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 a bummer, you know. Yeah, they try to find as many ways to squeeze as much money as they can. Yeah, the music industry as a whole has suffered pretty largely. Right? Yeah, Sin- I mean since like the nineties. I mean, yeah, like, you know. But you know, some people don't have like the. I think that I'm lucky in that I don't find a lot of that stuff boring or like that it's like a chore. I just it's like that's part of the gig. Like you write the song. And then you have to do all the the business work. You gotta, you know, get get all, get all the album art and all. Like some some people, they just want to make the music, and then they want someone else to handle it. And even to that, I would say like you can find people to do that stuff for you. But getting a label to do it for you, they will they will overcharge you, and they it's not worth the money that you put into it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and like for some, I think some bands just want like a babysitter almost, where like where they like almost like '90s mindset, where it's like I can be a rock star and worry about my thing and the label takes care of everything yeah and like you know it's not it's not always needed some bands for sure benefit from it and it's like everyone's different so like everyone's allowed to have different things but i think there is like a disillusion like with what what it does sometimes yeah 100 percent. i i don't really know that that artist can exist very long these days yeah. you just have to be very very successful because you you have to continually make people money yeah. Um, I read this article. It was really funny. I think it's in Vanity Fair. I've read it two or three times now, and it's about Lil Pump. Okay. It, was, it came out, like, almost, I want to say, like, a year and a half ago. And um, you should read it. It's really funny because it, it's just this this, uh, this uh, journalist who follows him around for a day. And that's essentially how he acts. He essentially just acts like a 12-year-old. And then he has handlers that take him to things and... Um, it's like enjoy it while it lasts, cause like as soon as you stop making those people money, they will, they will, they will ditch you, and they will just let you suffer, and then you're you're left blindsided. You're like, well, I never handled this before, and I don't know how to handle it do? now. Yeah, and it's a big fall. It's, it's a like huge fall. Here it's, it's a huge fall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and his thing is totally different now, but you know. Yeah, I feel like a guy like him, like he can end up like 
even if music doesn't work out, he'll have like an agent and he'll be on like real dancing with the stars or something. Yeah, he'll he's his. like a he's like an entertainer. Or yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's di- he's like an yeah he's a different sort of public figure. But yeah, I don't know. Like I think it's just it's a it's a difficult industry, and that's that's something that's been challenging for me talking to other people because I haven't done this for too too long, but I think I've done it enough now to know things like this. Talking to people that are younger than me who ask me for advice, I'm just like, oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a it's nebulous. I've I've gotten people have asked me how how do we get people to like our bands? Yeah, people have asked me that, and, and it's like, dude, I, uh, like we're listening to music. The genre of music we play is very much based around music. Is the music good? That's the that's step one. Yeah, and like it's hard. I'm super critical of all my stuff, and, like, I don't think that's how everyone should be because I think, like, sometimes I have no pride in anything I do, and I think it's unhealthy, but, like, you have to always be critical of your shit, and you can't think that what you made is the best thing in the world. You can be proud of it. It's tough. I mean, it's a gentle balance of being proud and being, you know, thinking it's the best thing. I think I've definitely walked that line many times where I'm like, why does no one like my music? It's so good. And then I re-listen to it now, and I'm like, dude, that sucked. Like, <laughs> you have no perspective. Yeah, yeah, like, it's difficult. And I, I honestly, the way that I thought about it when I was trying to write better music, and I'm still trying to do this, is, like, every time I write a batch of songs, I always try to outdo the last batch of songs. Yes. Like, okay, that was, you know, January to March of 2020 or something. I'm going to try to write something completely, like, so much better. And I always am just trying to push that envelope. And I think when you do that six or seven times, you really start to see big improvements. And that can be challenging because sometimes it's not easy to see songwriting like a a job. Like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write some songs this week, sometime. You know, it's just like I write songs when I'm inspired. But it's like sometimes you can force that sort of to kind of come right so the more you do it it's like a skill that you build so you know yeah it's it's not always going to come instantly right away sometimes it does but it's like it's like a yeah you have to work on it constantly you know that, that's actually the f- that's the one thing i will say that's funny is when i meet people that that want to be musicians but they don't really want to work like i uh oh man it's just going to art school was a trip because i would meet people and they would do nothing and i'd be like dude like not only do you want to be a musician and you're not doing anything? But you're paying money to go to a sc- like a lot of money to go here, and you're not doing anything. Like this will it's it was mind-boggling to me. I guess just because I had to really art like make a case in f- with my family being like I really want to do this. Yeah, and I had to like fight for it. But they probably were just like, yeah, I'm going to art school, you know, and yeah. they'll take your money. Like yeah, no matter care. what. Yeah, and like you could pretend artist for four years, and then what happens when you get out of school? Well, I think that's what we were talking about with, like, some of the, uh, like, with my master's. It's, like, some of those things you just pick up, like, in the, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's you have to teach, like, that sort of I thing. I wonder if Berkeley curriculum is, like, so stupid at some points. Like, teach him that it's all about respect when you're with your bandmates. Like, is that, like, a <laughs> test you get, like, quick? Okay, I will say, I think that some of the things that I've been learning in those classes, it's stuff that's obvious, but if they didn't mention it, and then someone went out there and like wasn't they could at least be like we did cover that yeah you know like yeah. i think they have to at some point but there are some things that are super interesting that are a bit deeper but um it is always difficult i always like went back and forth about the education thing because 
music is an ever-changing landscape. It's like, how do you teach something that is always changing? Like, literally 10 years ago, it was like the big thing was YouTube. Now it's TikTok. Yeah. And then in between that, it was Instagram. Yes. And like, Facebook. And then now, who knows, in five years... It's crazy. Yeah. It's Remember when ringtones, like people, that was, that probably would have been a lecture at Berkeley like 15 years ago, selling ringtones. Yeah. No one 100%. buys ringtones anymore. <laughs> I, I have a book that I bought when I was in Boston, like from the Berkeley bookstore about the music industry. And I bet 40% of it doesn't apply now because, or more. It was like fucking 15 years ago. Right. Like, but also apply to what you do, right? You just have to, you got to kind of got to think on your feet. I think like at, at the end of the day, you just have to have someone advocating for you. Yeah. Because even if it's yourself, yeah, if if it can be yourself, but if not, you need to find someone who can like watch out for you. You know, having like a not not even a manager per se, but just somebody that like a you friend, know. Like yeah, to bounce it off of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I was definitely that person for other people, and I was happy to do it. Like, obviously, not being like I'm gonna charge or anything. Just people would bounce things off of me, being like, "Hey, is this a good idea?" And I'd be like, "No, it's a terrible idea." <laughs> like, and they'd be like, "Why?" And I'd be like because like you're gonna get screwed and they'd be like oh yeah and then i saved them like a bunch of heartache and that that stuff takes a toll on you like you don't want to play music if you get screwed all the time yeah it's takes not the fun, fun yeah, yeah it's not fun at all <laughs> yeah no. and that's the thing i miss like with covid it's like i miss the fun of just going to like a diy show and it's just like you don't know what's gonna happen but everybody plays and then there's like these really nice moments that happen where everyone comes together i think that's what has taken the fun out of music for me yeah, I mean recently that, the the live element to what we do is like very important, and it's just been it's gone completely. Yeah, for the most part. So, have you are you organizing any shows? No, uh, I played in Philly uh, two weeks ago, and they required Vax IDs, mm. and then I'm going to Gainesville for fest if it happens at end of October. I don't really want to book in general. I don't know how many shows I want to book anymore. Right. Um, I will when it's like very important too, but I'm not gonna. I'm too old to be like a show promoter. I think. <laughs> yeah, I it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, that's that's another role that I always like. Now I guess I really have admired more is like somebody who goes out of their way to really organize shows and stuff. It's a really thankless deed. One hundred percent. Up up to like, there's a point where I think people make good money doing it, but it's getting like, to that point is very hard. Though. Yeah, you know, like death of a salesman, like the play. It's, I, about, it's I, about a car salesman who, like, is underappreciated, gets, like, no love, family hates. I always thought it'd be funny to do, like, death of a show promoter. <laughs> and he just come, comes home and, like, microwaves a meal. Yeah. Like, he, send a Facebook And then someone, someone calls him, and, he, and he, they're, they're like, why did, you, why did you book us in this, in this slot? He's like, I'm sorry. And he <laughs> yeah, like, no one is ever happy with them. Like, you make all the money, and you don't pay us. It's like, 20 people came to the show on a Tuesday that I set up. <laughs> At a bowling alley, you know. Yeah, it's hard. No, it's not. You know, it's something that I really thought of too recently. Without getting too political, but like other countries will like fund art things like that. This is all done like a hundred percent out of the love and care of that art form. Like there has been zero like initiative, as far as I know, from like any government to be like, yeah, we'll sponsor this yeah. sort of, or we'll like create a, at least just keep a space open so that the art can continue. I don't yeah. know that many of those places. New Jersey had one community center in Flemington that they just closed down, but it's like, it was, excuse me, it was like an kind of affluent area and like, it, it's very hard for things like that to come by, especially like funding a center strictly for like the arts and stuff. It's like, it's not as big of a priority here because they want to like let the free market decide like, right. art, like, right? You know, 
Yeah, but it, it's just like I mean, I just think about how much some some of that stuff really ends up, like how big it becomes, and then how much it means to a lot of people, and how it really shapes. It's it is it's just straight up. It's just fascinating how far, how how advanced music has come here in terms of it, like in industry terms, and just like how it's promoted and the, the global influence. But it's at not at all in supported by any sort of government Nothing. program or something. Nothing. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then le- it's funny. I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading a book on Lookout Records right now, like the Bay Area. Right. And like uh, they're talking about Gilman Street, like right. the punk venue, something like, like that. Yeah. Like such an important space to so many people, where they like literally grew up in, and like m- that's where they socialized and made all their friends. And it's like most of the times it's started by a group of people who are like, let's get this done. Right. You know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I just I've never really thought about the ramifications of that. I think just because the like societal collapse is more imminent now than ever i've just started to think about how fragile that ecosystem is of like yeah like i mean the the conditions are pretty right for it then but now doing something like that would be very difficult like yes. getting getting real estate in Owning what is it venue? oakland yeah, yeah like oh it's a hard that's a hard it was in job. berkeley it was in berkeley oh yeah oh yeah Gilman, yeah, yeah berkeley yeah yeah getting real estate in in berkeley good luck like all the paperwork you'd have to go through and like all the things oh yeah, yeah good just, luck it's have fun there's so much red tape now there's so much less money now for the most part it's where it's like i've definitely talked about on like this pod one of these podcasts before but like doing a venue now it's almost like you have to do something else like cafe slash venue or like yeah unless it's like a bigger venue and you sell alcohol but if you're doing like the diy level where it's like maybe your place can hold 100 to 200 people maybe it's right you know that's at the end of the day with bills and everything unless you're selling out every night it's like no it's rough and i i always also struggle with that with like the whole music industry being run off of alcohol it's basically the alcohol industry yeah and uh you know i'm not a i'm not a a, what is a teetotal whatever you say someone who abstains from alcohol whatever you call that kind of person i'm not like that straight edge Straight edge, but oh. I think there's a the, it's teetotaler or something that's like a I don't know how to pronounce. I'd have to look it up. I forgot. Don't look it up. Okay, <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I yeah, won't, yeah. but okay, I'd have thank to. You. Yeah. But there's a specific phrase for people that abstain from alcohol. But yeah. I'm not. I'm not that person, and yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm not like anti-alcohol, but you have to look at the numbers and be like, damn, alcohol is like bad. Like it's bad for society. It's like it's rough. Like I don't think I'm not advocating for anything about that either. It's just a bummer that uh, music and alcohol like music would not exist without alcohol yeah you know, it's just like a lot and bad things come out of it like it probably makes people have more fun and like lose some inhibitions out yeah of but show. like you know somebody is struggling with alcoholism and then yes. they want to go they love music it's like you you're gonna have alcohol at every show yeah so you can't go to shows of like drinking or like yeah. you, you just all around you it's it's hard yeah it's it's difficult yeah but i mean obviously if that wasn't there then that wouldn't exist in the first place. But yeah. I mean, that's and that's why I know some bands, they make like all of the door because the the or they'll get they'll even get in on like a percentage of the bar because of how much money just like an out a venue will make at a. Yeah, it's probably bigger than the door admission. A lot of the time I'd have to I'd have to think about that. I have to I'd, I want to say there's like a ten dollar cover. Right. And every person buys three drinks. Well, what kind of show are you talking about? Because I would think more like a. Like a like a hall or something like a thousand okay. cap. So then, like a twenty to forty dollar cover. Like yeah, let's say twenty for the argument. Okay, so, so sold out show. Three three drinks at the bar per person. 
Yeah, I mean, that's more than 20, right? Let's do two because some people might not drink and then some people might drink more. Okay. So two drinks. So probably a wash then. Or maybe more more from the door, but the door money gets split. We have like 20,000 gross and then two drinks per... This is fun. This is... Yeah, <laughs> we're sorry. like starting fake businesses here. <laughs> yes. No, but it is interesting to think about. Like, okay, yeah, so if you have two drinks, let's say there's a markup and they're making like $5 a drink or something. Yeah. So it's $10 per head. So it, may, it might be half and half, but you never know. Like, it's a variable. Yeah. But... That's if you sell at the show. If this, if the hall is half full, then then yeah. the drinks probably making more than the tickets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then the band's probably sneaking in some extra on VIP. There's so many variables, but yeah. But you can always rely on alcohol to sell. Exactly. Or like, can't always rely on like bands to draw. <laughs> draw, or even just like if they're drawing, they're getting paid, but they don't yeah. necessarily get paid for what gets sold at the bar. Yeah. The venue takes that home 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah, it's shitty because you would think bands should get even if it was like 10% of the bar. Well, you get drink tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves because I'm not a huge drinker. So, they'll at like every other show that we play, we get like four five drink, whatever drink tickets and I'm just like, dude, just give me the cash value. I want to yeah. get dinner. Yes. Like, pay for my dinner. Yeah, that'd be and nice. I, we're, we're, we're not, I think we were getting to that level where we could, uh, like, negotiate for catering, which is, like, what a mid-sized band would be able to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But we weren't there yet, so then I was. I would be like, you know, just please give me some food. Yeah, yeah. that's more important to, it's like, living on the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, wa- I was in, like, Columbus or something, and I asked for, like, a White Claw. Because I was like, all right, I'm finishing this tour. Let's get some White Claw. And then they were, like, they're like, sorry, you got to pay for it. What the like, fuck? Come I know. On. I was like, I was like, dude, like, come on. Like, yeah. I'm playing. Like, I, the one time I wanted to have a, a drink, they were yeah. like, no. Where'd you play in Columbus? Played at the Grog Shop, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah do yeah. you know? Yeah. I've heard. I've Bands that I know have played there. Did I? I can't, I can't remember if I finished in. I think we finished in Cleveland, actually. Or yeah. was it Columbus? I don't remember. It was one of the two. Where was it good? Yeah, it was fine. Cool. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was interesting. I haven't. Re- I would like to come back. It was like an opener sort of deal. I would want to go back as a headliner. Yeah. 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 I mean, you've played in a lot of places. Yeah. You know? But it's, it doesn't feel like enough. Like I feel like also like those the some of those times it was like we really threw it together. Like it was like, we're hitting up someone we don't know that's hosting us with bands. We don't know. Yeah. It's like you come back on your own terms and you really feel like you have a different experience. I never really got that because of COVID. Yeah. There's a lot of areas we didn't get to hit again. Yeah. 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 You were like right there. Yeah. It sucks. That's okay. Yeah. It'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what do you think I should do differently with choke artists? What do you think you should do? Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know. Maybe you can manage me, dude. I should be a manager. <laughs> I would be a. I would like to manage acts at some point, but I think I would need to accrue more, more, more knowledge, more, more knowledge. Network. Yeah, and then just be older, maybe because I'm. I think I'm too young to do that. But yeah, yeah that yeah. would be sick. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Managers like I feel like instead of practicing their instrument, they just like network. Yeah. Like just yeah. like talk to talk people. to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have to just be better at that. Yeah, make phone calls and stuff. Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that's what a good manager would do. Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you about the choke artist deal. If anyone wants to know what it's like to be signed, um, there's no contracts. I was signed at one point. Marcos was signed. Um, there's no contracts, and you get fifty percent of the physical of the profit off physical items. Once I break even. So it's like what you were saying before with indie. It's the rough it's the rough trade deal. Yeah. Where I think I fuck myself is I don't take any of digital at all. 
Well, well, you is different because we like reissued two of your old EPs, so I wouldn't take that anyway. But, well, digital is interesting because um, it like it's it's like I feel like for labels, I guess you are a label, like something. But like you're not like an LLC or something. No. Like yeah, but you're like you're an operation. Like yeah. If you could somehow like get people on playlists, or you can make playlists that people listen to, and then be like, I will add you. To this, then you provide a, a service digitally that would, in, like, you would get a Some percentage. promotion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's where I feel like it can make sense. Like, if I had a tangible way to measure how much of, of how many people I could bring to this band's, like, audience, you know? Like right. The, gro- the growth that I can prove, where it really hasn't felt like I ever did that until, like, maybe two, three years ago, where, like, it does feel like now there's a, even though it's, like, probably a small, but there is a core of people who, like, follow the things I do, you know? It's just like half of them like math rock and half of them like ska, and then it's like right. But you know, I I like just putting out the music that I like ultimately, and that's why I do because I like helping bands. You know, you were a DIY act, right? You played in standards. I think it's safe to say that here. But <laughs> what what <laughs> I, don't I don't understand. I, don't know. I just think it's funny. I, I just think it's it is, funny. It is funny. Can I we think say it's that? safe to say that. <laughs> Hot takes, but yeah, it was just cool because I, I just saw how hard you worked and I liked your music and I just wanted to help. You no, know? dude, I I I loved that stuff. I think the stuff we did was really good. And yeah, it was like, and I think it's good to do that like in general, just like to have stuff. I actually, I think it's pretty crazy. You still do all that stuff yourself, like you package all that stuff. I mean, I've helped my uh, my girlfriend Caitlin and my roommate Ernie. But and still, some of my like that's an operation. It's a lot, yeah. Because yeah. when I talk to, uh, fuck, was I talking to Top? I think I emailed Top Shelf about maybe distroing some of the records i think this is before you signed with them and they were like right now we're transitioning to where all of our mail mail order is fulfilled through an outside company because like the, i guess they they do higher volume than me but they don't even like i don't know if they even ship their inventory they have like other people do oh it. no that's that's exactly what how it works yeah um and we've got the same thing yeah which was why i was i was stoked about that because i was like i can just do whatever i want and i can just like have like stuff shipped anywhere but that is like what you'd have to do that's why i'm like but you know like i guess they do get paid to do that but and you're in a way getting also paid to do it but it's like you're really just doing it because you like the band you're not really doing it for the money oh yeah this isn't a job at any means i've probably lost more money than made but sometimes i've made money it's like kind of i don't know yeah i like to think i'm getting better at it but i don't really i want to still be punk rock so it's It's like (laughs) It's hard, man. You don't want to be like that that uh, that band with the five thousand dollar guarantee. <laughs> They're not punk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Shout out the Vandals. You guys, you guys, mi- <laughs> you guys missed that one. Yeah. I don't even know any Vandals songs. No, I just know them because they had Josh Freese in that band. Yeah, I, I think there was a funny story. I was listening to maybe one of them on the guy from Less Than Jake does a songwriting podcast. It might have been that, but. Like they did a like documentary and it was like them talking about how punk they are and then like the a video of like the bassist or someone driving away in a Ferrari. Like as like ironically, like they were like leaning into like, Yeah, fuck you, we're getting paid. You know. That's hella funny. Yeah. That's hella funny. Yeah. But I have fun doing choke artists, it's fun. I have fun doing these podcasts, you know. Good. I just try to like, you know, I'm just some guy and I just wanna do stuff sometimes, I guess. Are you okay? Are you okay, Joe? I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I, was th- I did a stomach I Got quiet. I thought about my Crohn's disease, but it's actually feeling pretty good. Is it good? Yeah, that's good, dude. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, I had a classmate get Crohn's actually. 
it was pretty it was a huge bummer did you say i know a guy that has it no it was a thank while you. ago thank you for not doing that yeah. well i didn't know you then but okay good because <laughs> i have friends that are like their coworker has crohn's and then they go up to him like yeah my buddy's got crohn's and then it's like what else do you say like yeah oh they i bet he shits bad it's like yeah like yeah no the also i i know this miscellaneous fact but like um i think the clown from Slipknot, his wife has Crohn's. Shit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, no, I just know that because I think that he was like, in, he had to leave some record-making process. I'm like a huge huge Slipknot. Rest in peace, Joey Jordison, man. Dude, for real. Sad. For real. That was a huge bummer for me because um, I don't know anything that he had done after Slipknot very well, but the stuff that he, like, while he was on it, he was on it. And I think he did a lot to really push metal forward in yeah, a direction dude. that was good. Yeah. yeah, in middle school, that's all. We talk about Joey Jordison all the time. Like, yeah. He's so good. Yeah, it's sad. Because there's a video of him from, like, a year before he passed, like, talking about it. Like, I fucking beat this thing, and you can too. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. What? Like, beating, because he had that, like, degenerative oh, disease right. yeah, yeah. that he beat, and then he passed in his sleep. I don't know if it was related to that, but it was just sad. We might, it, we might never know, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I think, but I mean, I think it's... It, regardless of what happened in that situation, I think of Paul Gray, who passed like 11 years earlier. He yep. he died of a drug overdose. Like, I think it's interesting the juxtaposition of like artists now who are very mindful. I don't know if you you know people like this, but they're very mindful. I think maybe I'm one of them in a way, like very like health conscious. I'm not like a healthy person, but I'm not like railing coke or something. You're like too focused to get sucked into shit like that. I guess. I don't but focus is the right word. But but I, but I, I not that I'm not that I'm saying that I've observed it and I'm I'm the one coining this paradigm. I'm just saying that like I've noticed other people like comment on how rock stars now, you know, they'll they'll be drinking like green tea instead yeah. of like alcohol or like yeah. you know versus back then like you know uh, yeah there was degenerates yeah like, you know? seriously yeah so it, I think it's better now. I think some of it is like because there was like a lot of grimy things that used to happen where I think there's more accountability now too. Right. But yeah, it is interesting to see how it has kind of shifted. I think there's just less money so you can't go as hard. Yeah, that is true. I do remember reading about like Elliot Smith. You, you know Elliot Smith? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he I think he had like a $1500 a day heroin and coke habit oh my when God. he was at his peak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he had scored some really big stuff and his albums did well and I th- I was just like, dude, that is Nobody could afford that now. Yeah, like that's that's nuts. Not in the budget. No, yeah. I think the the one the one dude I remember now is like um, Johnny Craig got caught up with all of the MacBook stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think that's how he was making his money for his. I don't even think he was making enough money in his band to no. like justify yeah. selling illegitimate MacBooks and Jeez. never sending them. Yeah, that's no, that's rough. It's depressing actually. Yeah. It's it's sad when you put all your eggs in the basket of being a performer, especially in like in today's climate but in today's day and age seriously like it's so hard to do where it's like there's there's big bands that like still you know and this isn't a knock but like they they live at home still and like they work odd jobs and shit and it's like just do it do what you can and like just have fun that's what really counts i think yeah of course i think well the only thing that i've observed that i can comment on that is that i think it's important to really try to stand out not just as a performer but as just a personality and I think a lot of people that have done that, like no matter what you think about them, they're doing very well for themselves and they're not struggling. Um, yeah. Like one of the people I could think of would be like Tosin Abasi has done really well for himself, like making himself sort of this like guitar wizard. Not saying that it's a pers- it's like a 
perception thing and it's not real it is very much real yes but he's very much like led the pack he's 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 been the leader yes. of the animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, yeah, just he he's done really well for himself in sort of like marketing. He's not the only one, but he's just one example. Yeah. Um, of like people that do a niche thing, and setting setting the bar, um, pretty high as far as like what they want to do and really standing out. And yeah. Also being a metal guy and not like wearing like black all black and spikes no and, like, dude he i dude i commend he really sets like stood out with like he, he's really does up his like yeah outfits he's dapper, and yeah. he made his own like guitar look like yeah it's not easy and it's not something everyone can do but like that is a very important thing to do nowadays yeah 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 it's got to you have to be something that can like stick with someone especially right. like with all the oversaturation of everything which i think it i think it's i have more tolerance for now where like for like years, I was like, "There's too many things out here," but like now, I'm like, I actively look for new music all the time. Right. But I think it is easy to get like overwhelmed with everything going on. I think that I think I did for a long time, and I didn't reach out. And I think now I'm trying to really try to listen to something new every day, yep. which might seem like for some people like that's just what they do. But that was really hard for me for a while because I got sick of a lot of things. I was like, "This is just this." This is just this, yes. and I get you get really cynical. Yes, and I I I caught myself in that, and I felt really bad about it. And now I really try to put myself outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, I think I I mean ever since the Chan boom of 2012, I'll never oh, forget. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it kind of you know great band. It kind of became a genre though. Well, I think any great band's gonna have imitators, and I think those imitators are gonna do their thing. And I think even to a point like. I think we started doing things a bit after that, so I think we get compared to them sometimes, but not really. Yeah. But it is all in that same umbrella, right? And so I yeah. think for me, realizing that, I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to be lumped in with that. I want to be my own. You have to. Thing, but it's it's tough, like especially because like public co- public consciousness is only so so great. There, you know, how many guitar instrumental bands can one person really latch on to? Yeah. Not many. So you have to really do something that's going to differentiate what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And you do. Like, you stand out, you know? I, I, I hope, I like to think so. I, w- I want to try to do that more and just make it very definitive. But I'm glad that you think so. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Well, I know you personally, and I, I mean, seeing what everything that you've done up to this point, I, I would say it's not like John, you know? No, but like I don't know, like they're they're never. That's the thing. No one ever will be Chon, yeah, and no one can. will no one will ever be anything else because you'll never be those people. Yeah, you you can be a watered down Chon. Yeah, yeah, well, but it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be like you're trying to be, but you never will be. Uh, yeah, because nobody will ever do what they did. But it's not that it's something that's unachievable. It's that it's unmistakably them. Yeah, you have to find your own voice. You have to be yourself. That's so much yeah. of it, dude. Like. That was a difficult thing for me too. Was trying to be myself. I think that was. It's hard to lean into some of those aspects because if you get rejected, it's like people are rejecting you. Yeah. You know, they're not rejecting anyone else. You mean in your writing or like in your social media? Well, just if you're in a band, like I'm speaking personally, but also just as other people, you know, who talk to me about their stuff. If you're if you do what you really want to do in in your band and your writing and then you get rejected, it's like a true rejection. Yes. Of society is rejecting who you are. Yeah. Right. That's difficult pill to swallow. It is. Yeah. But most people, I don't want to say most people, but some people are just so much ego off the gate that they like off the bat that they don't like even realize. Like it's good to be critical. It's good to be like perceptive of how people like see you. 
but some some people don't see that at all and then like there's no self-reflection like you have that in you and that's what like made you better like that fear you know sort of yeah i i i also feel like i've had a like many many ego deaths over the well i, I don't <laughs> think that's i think that phrase is used differently than i mean you also got though. older because you, you were like 22 when you started the band i was 20 yeah, dude, that's young. Yeah, but it was, like, I think we turned 21. I turned 21, and then, like, a couple days later, the first EP came out. And then a couple days after that, we went on our first tour. Yeah. So it was, like, a whirlwind. But, like, yeah, by the time I turned, like, 23, it was, like, I felt very grounded in reality. Whereas, like, I think in between that, I really was ashamed now thinking how I used to think. Where I felt like I was better than I feel like I am now. And just, I felt like I was more important than I thought and I think I am, but it's it's okay. I think it's important to to be like like you said, like realistic. Be have some perceptive perception. Yeah, yeah like yeah. your ego is really does blind you to a lot of things. Yeah, and it's hard, you know, when you're that young and you have like that a lot of validation and like and fans, you know, like and you know you're like a little stinker sometimes. You might like ruffle some feathers, you know. But, well, but yeah, I, I I also don't want to. Yeah, I I I can't not do that stuff sometimes because it's who i am yeah like, i like yeah. to have fun and so, like people will take things like you can't please everybody yeah and i don't think that's an excuse to be a stinker but you can't not be you can't not have fun on because you're afraid one person's gonna get upset with you yeah like, you have to go for gold sometimes and i don't know i i think that it's important to just be yourself sometimes yeah 100 yeah. dude you can't there's a we used to always joke like you know, this is a long time ago, but everyone used to, like, post about bands and say, great bands, great dudes. Like, that. whenever you mention another band, you would, like, have to say that. All yeah. Long. To the point where we literally, like, released a compilation called that because it's just, like, platitudes of, like, everyone, like, being fake nice for the sake of networking. And, like, now it's, like, everyone calls you, like, the homies. And, like, I'm sure it's, like, genuine. No, and it's good. But I think, you know, what's something that really has opened my eyes to a lot of there's – a, there's certain circles of things that I really have to talk about. On on the on the pod. Yeah, lay it down. I gotta I gotta I gotta throw it out there. Lay it down. And I'm not dude. gonna name names, <laughs> but you know who you are. No, I'm I'm not here to be the. There's just some things that I've seen that have made me second second uh like question just what you're like how that is. You just like oh these are the homies these are the, like whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, I saw a band get called out on Twitter, and I don't think what the person in the band did, it wasn't like an, a, an allegation of like assault or anything. It was just more so this person has not been attentive to the other two people in the band and has been like capitalizing on their identity for the band. And it was, just not, it was not great stuff. Yep. But the response that I saw was so over the top, and it was... It was it was literally boiled down to this one tweet that I saw and I was like, wow, this is really unhealthy because obviously this person was not a great person. And, this, you know, all that stuff could have been handled privately. But the one tweet that I saw was like, I'm glad this band got called out because now I don't have to pretend to like them anymore. And it's like, where's your conviction? Like, if you don't like a band, you don't have to pretend to like them. Yeah. It's like it was difficult to watch th because it, I felt like both sides were wrong in that situation i wasn't really rooting for anybody yeah and yeah. it was a bummer like i mean obviously i i i lament that you know that situation had to go public because obviously things weren't getting resolved mm -hmm. but like i i hate that obviously it's clear that a lot of people will just say that they like you and then not they don't actually yeah like you it's just like it's fake and it's toxic yeah like, 
You, I hate that. It's always going to exist, too, because it's like networking to them. Oh, well, I understand that. I, I get being cordial and everything, but like for, for someone to say, I'm glad I don't have to pretend to like this band now, it's like when people turn on you and say, oh, we never liked them anyway. It's like, it's such an easy thing to yeah. say. Well, and also, I like not to make it about me, but that did kind of happen to me, too. Like, it was like, oh, you know. With what? With the whole, like, fake allegation thing. What's the fake allegation? Do you want me to run you through it? Yeah. Okay, I'll, you know what? Maybe it would be good to, to do it anyway because I think um, it the happen, story. It happened a while ago. Yeah, it actually happened a week before the album came out. <laughs> what perfect timing, dude. Right, dude. The, I When I saw that, I was like, wow. Like, so, And, I mean, I have receipts. Like, I this is... I, I don't feel like I have to actively dispute this because it just it just is not real. Yeah. But like basically the gist of it is that someone made this allegation that I groomed like a seventeen year old into being my girlfriend and then I was like mean to her. But this person and they they put it on the Math Rock subreddit and they didn't name they didn't do anything specific. It was never like Marcus and I were here in this place that he lived. It was yeah. just like very unspecific and then it featured like this doctored screenshot where i was like saying like mean things but it was never like i assaulted x person it was the, the allegation was very bizarre actually yeah and um i basically messaged the person asking them why they were doing it and then when i realized that i could like sue them i was like if i can prove that i if i lose my label deal from this and i can prove loss i can sue you for yeah. like set slander essentially yeah. and then the next day they retracted their entire statement and it was like some dude from like canada or something really and it was because i had posted a list of bands like it was a it was a google doc that i found but it was just all, all the allegations that had happened and i was like you should just stay informed i wasn't saying don't support these bands i was saying stay informed i do believe a lot of those allegations and yeah. i do think a lot of bands like have gotten away with a lot of things for too long sure and I guess that was part of me, like, using my platform or whatever. And some yeah. people would say that's great. A lot of people didn't agree with that situation, and one of those people was that person. And so oh they, they wanted to teach me a lesson about allegations by falsely accusing me of something. Dude, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, well, the, the bummer about it was they were taking the spotlight off of the real allegations, yeah. creating a fake allegation, and then essentially setting a precedent being like, you know, well, that's what I was worried about is that people could just be like, well, what about that time with Marcos where it turned out to be completely false, but it would be something that really happened. Yeah. I didn't know this person any at all. Like we had never met also. Yeah. Like I did actually try to find out who they were and I'd never met this person. But you knew they were from Canada? They told me they were from Canada. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's sad and like very unfortunate, but it just takes like one bitter person to do that. Right. Know? But then there was a 24 hour window where it was like you can you can say whatever you want about marcos because he's a shitty person who who did this shitty thing but it, i didn't actually do it did people like turn on you yeah i had some people turn on me um i got kicked out of some facebook groups i got uh got some unfriends i got some some threads on facebook about me i need you to leave now <laughs> dude. You I'm, get the too, fuck I'm too hot <laughs> <laughs> well it was a bummer because i called a bunch of people and you know, at the end of the, each call, it was like, Marcos, did you actually do this? And I'm like, no, yeah. I would. It, and the thing I was getting accused of wasn't even it wasn't even super like if I, honestly, if I was that dude, I would have like ramped up the allegation or something because it was it was it was like he talked to me when I was 17. And then when I turned 18, we started dating or something. So I guess oh, that was it. 
Well, and then it was like he was mean to me in the relationship or something. I, yeah. But yeah. I but the thing is like the time frame they were giving, I was like dating someone and that like could verify and it wasn't that person. Like yeah. it was like they we we talked like it was so I could verify that like it was that it totally wasn't made up. it was completely made up. Holy it was like shit. I there were so many yeah and they you know the other person came out and said that they made it up and it, whatever. They, they posted on Reddit and like cleared it or They posted on Reddit and cleared it and then someone else uh sent them like a link saying like this is a link to like something and then found their ip address and that yes. like also cleared yes. up that it wasn't good or at least at the time that they're yeah, yeah but Fuck that dude well i i was saying this to you before but it's like and sometimes this is important like the, it's always important to be hold people accountable and shit but like when you have a platform even one that you built yourself some people want to take it away because it's jealousy or spite or he shouldn't be able to say or that. they don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like you. They don't like what you said about holding people accountable. And right. It's like, and it's it's easy to because with online momentum and like raw mentality, frankly, like it just fucking catches on and like people focus on negative shit a lot. Well, I don't think and I don't I, I don't think that that's you know, I think it's important to believe these things because I think more times than not. They're true. It's they're true, but you. I think the only thing I wish is that some people had reached out to me and people had waited just yeah. a second. Because if you just wait a bit and there's just all you get all the information, I don't think it's necessarily denying it, but you just have to make absolute sure. Sometimes things come out later. Do some dil- like yeah, due people, diligence. People just want to jump on on the thing. And I think yeah. in a weird way, I think that's good because people want accountability. Um, and I don't think it's good if they want. They just want to see you like your career ends. yes i don't yeah. think that's good i mean a, lo- a lot of the outrage has resulted in like progress like real fucking progress that like we've seen in society and that's great well, in the music scene too because i i think i think it was like i can't remember if it was like the a uk survey or something but it was like female musicians 40 percent of them have experienced some form of harassment or assault in the music scene yeah what what incentive does that give female musicians to to engage in that it yes. doesn't it's like not i i don't want to ex- experience this or i don't want to engage in that at all that's not cool yeah but yeah at the same time it's difficult it's not a it's there's no thorough process and i don't want to say that like what happened to me is like indicative of like oh like we you know but if people had waited if people had talked to me that would have been cool but I, it's resolved now and i guess for that i can be happy i can so not have the to people worry. who have like said they hated you like oh i never liked have like have you talked to them well, some of those people, I was like, like, cause I, I had either rarely talked to them or like, I thought we were cool. So I did talk to a few of them. Um, a lot of them just ended up owning it and they were just like, they, I think they almost felt like embarrassed. So they didn't want to, they kind of like doubled down. So I was like, okay, whatever. But it's not that. Oh, like owning it. Like, no, fuck you still. Yeah, exactly. Like they, yeah. they basically were like, yeah, actually I, I, I don't like you basically. And it was yeah. like, you know, I thought we were cool and I just want to be cool with you, but it was just a difficult time. I mean, it's not like I had like a bunch of people like that, but it was like, I'd stayed at some person's house and then it was like, they were like, actually I hate you. And, and yeah. All this. yeah. So that's rough. But you know, like, I think at least in a weird way when I, and this is the kind of maybe not so great, but when I go online and I put something up that I've worked on with cam or like we're, we're like some music or a riff or something. And I see like hundreds and hundreds of people like engaging in it, like liking it and commenting it. It's like, none of that stuff really matters. Cause the people that want to support me are there and there's a lot of them. And it's yes. like, that's what's important. And, um, I feel very lucky that for most of like the beginning of the band anyway, I never really experienced any hate or pushback. 
And I think it did expose a bit of that. But that's that's just how it is. It's gonna happen. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Whenever when you get to like a certain level, there's there's just gonna just be people that do that for yeah. whatever reason. You and know? that's okay. You don't have to like me. And it's I think it's not bad to like be honest about dislikes and likes. But it, it can get personal. I think that's where it's not good. Yeah. You can I I definitely like think that I like a lot of people and sometimes I don't like their music, but that's okay. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So do you, do you find that you've distanced yourself from being like super involved online? Like since that happened or I think so, but I think what I've done to try to re-engage is just make it about the music. I think I've done less like entertainment and more just like here's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. And when I get even though maybe if I did like a viral esque like I'm gonna cover something on like two guitars or something like people like that stuff and I got a lot of oh when you play it yeah it's cool yeah it is cool but I never really felt like I got anything from that people would just like like it and move on whereas like when someone likes something that I like wrote it's like oh that's really cool and I felt like re-engaging with that was important for me because I didn't want to like have to I feel like just social media can be kind of a circus sometimes, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one viral video to another and, you know, it's just you, everyone gets their 15 seconds of fame and then it moves on. And I can smell desperation in some bands when they post like I could just like things that are being said or like, I don't know. But that's well, that's the that's the troubling thing is that as someone who I, I feel like I've had a lot of things I've done get farther than I ever could have imagined. I'm grateful for that, but it yep. never really netted me anything because the real fans are the ones that are going to buy your record and the ones that are going to listen to it and like tell their friends about it. Those are people that really like you. Yeah, that's all that really matters to me now, and I think that's um, it w- it's a bit difficult because I kind of wish I still had that part of me where I was just like, I want to make a silly video that people find funny and then it like goes viral or something like that. That's cool. You but still could. No, I still, I still like to, but it's just uh, the payoff isn't worth it to me anymore. Like yeah. I don't really care about that anymore. It shouldn't be a priority. Yeah. You know, it's difficult, you know, but yeah, I mean the desperation really comes from wanting to get noticed. But again, like even if you did have something that did really well, like how many of those people are going to listen to your music? It's debatable. I mean, some would. Someone sure. follow you and be like, this guy's crazy at guitar. Let's see what he does. Well, but for me, it's different. But if you're doing like a silly like meme yeah. video, I don't know how many people would like your. It just depends. I think it yeah. always comes back to the music. I think people forget that. I Yeah, I hope that's true, dude. <laughs> like, I fucking hope. Like, that's what we do. No, you know? I mean, the good music is what keeps people coming back. Like, even. Yes. I mean, that's why. Like, have you seen all the like memes with like, uh, what is it? Is it 5,000 miles or 1,000 miles or 1,000 miles? 1,000 miles, yeah. Yeah, from Vanessa Carlton. Like, mm-hmm. that song's like 20 years old or something. People c- still come back to it because it's like arguably a good song. Yeah, yeah it like, is. yeah. It's like nobody cared about any of their stuff because that's the one that people remembered. Like, yeah. you know, it, it does something for you. It's true. Yeah. I mean, dude. I mean, to reiterate from before, people ask me, like, what to do to get popular. Like, why don't people like us? Why aren't we getting this opportunity? It's like, first of all, I don't know why you're asking me. Like, I'm some fucking hotshot. But it's like, ultimately, (laughs) like, make better. Just be good. Just focus on being good. And then once you do that, like, focus on being better. And then, like, yes, like, make sure you have enough moving pieces in place, like, online, where it's, like, you're at least putting yourself out there, like, a healthy amount. But ultimately, like, I'm a true believer, like, that if the music's good, 
and like it resonates with people that it will like organically spread you know well i don't i don't know well first of all i think if you ask that question you're asking you're you're just on the wrong train of thought but like have you ever seen the movie um jiro dreams of sushi no actually you should watch the movie it's really great um actually when i was in high school we had this like very I wouldn't call him prolific, but he was a very dedicated jazz teacher. And he was dedicated in the sense that he wanted everyone to be very good at jazz, even though we, like, met for an hour and a half, like, twice a week or something. You know, like, yeah. it's it's kind of an uphill battle. And you know, as, like, a music teacher, like, you you, are, you already said, like, if a student isn't really going to work on it, like, it's going to be hard to have them, like, featured and, like, the, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, it's difficult to, to have kids, like, work. So, But he was very committed to trying to have everybody very aware. And I think he did a great job getting people aware of lots of different types of stuff but he encouraged us all to watch that movie because it is about this guy who runs this just like amazing sushi restaurant it's like under a subway or something and you have to reserve three or four months in advance and it it, it gets a bit repetitive but essentially like what you can take from the movie is that he's not doing it to be the best sushi chef like if a really great sushi uh chef was like how how can i be like you he wouldn't tell them anything because he doesn't know all he knows is that he loves making sushi and he he that's out of that pure love for doing something that he becomes so good at it there's no advice he could give anybody because he's just driven to do that and he like to the point where he literally dreams about it making sushi yeah and um even like bo- I think he had like two sons. Like he was like I think he's ninety now, but at the time he was like eighty. Wait, is it a real person? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a documentary. Oh shit. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch it. It's it's. I think it's. It might still be on Netflix. But he has like two sons that are trying to be as good as him, but they're neither one of them are like as committed as him. Not saying that they're not committed, but he's just so. They're not him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they both have restaurants, and they're. They're very good, yeah. but his is, like, the best. Damn. And it's because he just loves, like, that's his whole life. And he, he's, like, obsessed with, like, getting the best raw ingredients and, like, the, the perfect method for cutting and, like, all that stuff. And it's, like, if you're really committed to, like, and you really love making music, that's not something you would ever worry about. It's, like, how do I get big? Yeah. Or, like, how do I get, how do I make good, me- or whatever, like, your question is. Like, yeah. It's just, you got to love not, it. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think th- the one thing about social media is, like, it does turn things, I mean, kind of into a competition in some ways where, like. Oh, it sucks. Engagement is quantified, and there's numbers involved, and it's, it like. It sucks. It really kind of takes the fun out of it in some aspects, and then it makes people feel bad, which is, right. like, music shouldn't do that you know no of course and i think that's the thing like but that's and that's the thing too about social media is like no matter how great you or how big you get on social media there'll always be someone bigger like and and it's just that's just if you play that game you'll never win yeah but if you if you make a goal like you set out to do something and you do it you succeeded like if you wanted to make a ska core album yes and then you did multiple and then and then you did and you made it to the quality that you wanted then you did it. You Dude, succeeded yeah. in if your goal. I, if I'm happy with the release, that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, I uh, like back on Elliot Smith. Um, did you ever listen? Do you ever listen to Elliot Smith? Not really. No. My roommate was. Tell- did they commit suicide? Yeah, Elliot yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. My he, roommate was telling me about them recently. Yeah, that's actually there's a conspiracy with that because he stabbed himself in the chest with a knife, and so um, people think that that's suspicious because very few suicides are from that. To right. have the force. Right. So yeah. they think that like you know someone else. Well, I I don't want to stoke the fire and say who did it i don't i don't believe in it i think he committed suicide but like the the 
the thing is that they think that his girlfriend did it because she was there. But then it's it's more or less like wrapped up now, and he they they think killed. Yeah. Anyway, um, he came out with an album a couple years before all that called Figure Eight, and I think the the sort of the inception of the album was that. Um, I think this is a really this is a really interesting sort of philo- philosophical idea he put in there. But that like a skater does these figure eights and they keep doing them over and over again, right? Yeah. And it's really sort of the cyclical like infinite thing where y- when you create art, it's sort of like doing that where you're just trying to do it better and better, and there's no real competition but yourself. Sure. And I think that's kind of that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, th- I think that's the healthiest way yeah. to look at it, right? Well, that's what, and that's how I look at it now. Like, I put out a, I'm gonna put out this EP, or it'll be out maybe by the time this is, out. I don't know. Um, when August twenty seventh. Is that is that when a single pre-order? Single, yeah, pre-orders, and then uh, September twenty fourth is. Oh, is when it's you can coming buy out it. Yeah, it's coming out. Oh, yeah, dude, but awesome. it's just like five tracks, and then we have like some some B sides that are going on the second side of the vinyl. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, but. Yeah. But like, yeah, I was like, I made that, and I was like, all right, let's let's do it better, you know. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's, but it's like, how can you compare yourself to anybody? I think in a weird way, if you can compare yourself to anybody, you're doing it wrong, you know. Yeah, it should be like you're doing your own thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I I was gonna talk about. Well, I'll, I can't say the band's name, but one of the ska core band, the ska core band of men, we just got offered to do a split with this band that we all love and like grew up listening to, and like I write the music for the band on guitar pro. And I was writing for like a month and I had in mind like we're doing a split with this band. I have to write a song that's going to like and like for a month I was just trying to write one of their songs. Right. And it wasn't coming out right. Because yeah. It wasn't like my musical voice because I just kept thinking about them. And I was like, yeah, they would like this or this. is. And it was like it was too much of them in my writing where it like it wasn't like organic. You know, it didn't feel like genuinely me. And then uh, and then eventually like a week ago, I was like. No, I'm going to write something to, to counter it where, like, I'm going to not try to be them. I'm going to be me and do what we do best. And, like, it, it was the first time I was happy with that song I was writing in a month, literally. Right, so right. It was just, like, interesting. I had, like, other people in my head too much. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that's, I mean, that's the external influence, too, I think. Yeah. yeah. If I got offered that similar sort of thing, like doing a split with a band that, was like i would be like oh no like yeah it fucked yeah. me up for a minute it yeah did. i was like what do i do this has yeah. to be the best song ever in like, a weird way if i did get offered something like that i'd want it to have something already finished so then i yes. could just not <laughs> here it is yeah just be no or just be like something already written where it's just like okay i like this and then i don't have to think about how it'll come across with the other you don't thing. have to write it yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. it's too much yeah yeah wow. So, what are uh, some of your favorite ska bands while we're here? Ska bands? Oh, <laughs> man. Well, I told you I was listening to the Aquabats. Again, that was cool. Hell yes. Fun band. Yeah. Fun band. Super cool. Um, and then I will check out the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones again because I I do think there's probably some good hits there, right? Yeah. I think, dude, honestly, I don't know a lot, but they're like a, a Boston rock, punk, punk rock. Yeah. They were like the first ska core. Right. Because I think what they were playing like back then, yeah, like was guitar, impressive. like electric guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> some some things have like aged for me in a way that I didn't particularly care for anymore. Like I re-listened to Streetlight a while ago, and I think it's really cool. But I was like, I don't like it as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little, and this is probably how I have a math rock sometimes. It's like a little too brainiac. Where it can like be. It can be. Um, but, you know, obviously it's really 
like top tier. It's I great. wouldn't even say ska. It's like more of a punk. Yeah, but it's like a gateway. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff like that that you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's just like I, I, uh, I like. I guess we were talking about it on the way here. Like, there's just a lot of more ska bands that are getting more attention now, and so it made me think about it. Yeah. So now I was like re-listening, being like, oh yeah, I forgot about ska music. Hell yeah, yeah. ska's in, dude. It's yeah. back. It's back. I remember everyone laughed at me. The, fo- the fourth wave. It's dude. I never would have guessed that. Like the thing that would come out of the pandemic was like ska being relevant again. I could have guessed like. To me, ma- math rock has fallen off a little, and maybe that's just my personal. Maybe I've just been swallowed by ska so much, but like no, I think I think that like you need to have records that come out that get people interested in a genre. Yeah. So when you have like um, seminal works that come out, people start to rally around that genre, and sure. I think you saw more of that like a couple of years ago. I do think that COVID like really slowed a lot of tastemakers in math rock specifically but i i don't think it'll ever go away i think it's one of those genres like ska where like you said it's always there yeah but then people start to care here and there yeah but it's always there it's never going away yeah it's it's never going to die yeah yeah and the most important thing i think is just for the people that are passionate about it any genre just to keep making it right like you know things are cyclical like focus on your craft and like just make good songs and right yeah but that's uh, you know, congrats to Ska. I'm happy. Con- fucking Ska coming in hot, dude. I'm happy for you. It's crazy. Do you still have your? Uh... Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think show the, the camera, S... dude. I wish we had a camera operator. We could do a zoom. I think the S faded on my lip. Is it, it's all gonna fade eventually, I'm, right? Uh, that's what they said. But Ska never fades with me, Marcos. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> I like. I'm gonna. I was thinking about it last week. Like I'm gonna have to get this touched up one day. You think? Like go to a tattoo parlor and be like. Yeah, I need to touch up a tattoo and then show them this ska lip tattoo. That's sick. Yeah, maybe maybe I should get one of those. I should do, like, math. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- I don't even know if standards... You're, like, fruit. Like, yeah, that'd be better. Get, well, like, I get started like calling a pineapple or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Fruit rock. Yeah, I started, well, I started calling it fruit rock because I was just like, I don't know. I literally don't know what to call it anymore. It's yeah. just so different now. Elements, elements of math rock, I guess, as far as, like, the technique. The guitar, for sure. But then all the other stuff, it's, like, almost, like... 8-bitty or chip toony or yeah like well yeah i can't wait for people to hear this ep dude <laughs> i can't wait i'm excited thanks for you. dude and then yeah i'll show you some i'll show you some more stuff once, yeah. when the camera's off dude yeah turn, turn hell off yeah the cameras, yeah you have more music around that's very exciting yeah well hope I, my hope is to come out with a new record every year so like lp ep lp ep so keep sending things out at the plan every two months at this rate yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. no I, I well i'd hope to just eps would be like online and then i'll do like like a collection, like put all the EPs on one vinyl or something and then do LPs cool. or something like that. But yeah. I just, I like, I hate like sitting on songs for more than a year. Yes. It really bugs me. Yes. Like I hate releasing music and it's like, dude, I wrote that when I was like a different person. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like you can connect to it. as much No, anymore, but then, yeah. but it sucks. Pe- I'm actually happy though. Cause then when I l- release it, people feel the way that I felt when I first wrote it. So yeah. then I'm like, I'm, tr- I can sort of get that back a bit. Yeah. But yeah, I hate it. I just hate it. I can't. I can't do it. So yeah. Hopefully, just, just gonna keep going with that trajectory. This is the first year that I've had to sit on releases, and I'm like, like we have a mix, and I'm just like, it's it's a bad feeling. Yeah, like, for real. Yeah, but, but yeah, I hope I hope you can do EPLP. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, I think it's just baller to be like mixing a record right now while the while the other one is getting like. Our our next re- release is getting mixed while the other one's That's, getting released. That like, is baller. It's dude. baller. Like yeah, dude. I'm just like cool. Like we can fucking music man over here. Well, I just I I don't want to ever like have any problem where it's like 
I felt I felt this way in the past where it's like, oh, we can't release it because of this thing or this thing. We need to wait. And it's like, I don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah. Like, um, and if you can be prolific enough to back it up with good music, like... Well, that's the thing. I'd never do it just to do it. I would release it only if it was like, you know, I was really into it, you yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's other like I I I'm very proud of myself for having that ability to like self edit now where I write something and I'm just like nah like nah this is not you know yeah. and it sits on my computer and I'm okay with that like yeah. I think it's good to just show people what you're really proud of yeah, yeah. the best the best of the best like you know I think that's what might surprise people a lot is when you learn that like Ed Sheeran probably has like hundreds of songs on the cutting room floor yeah because he just no, nobody's always on. Yeah, for for toxicity, system of a down, they had like forty songs or something. Well, they did them all as B sides, but even those ones were good. Yeah. Oh, that B sides album was the songs that didn't make toxicity. Yes. Oh, I didn't did know you that. know that? Yeah, no. steal this album is. Um, I think some of them are probably new, but I think most of them were B sides. Yeah. They were like they they didn't make it on the record. But oh, cool. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. When a band like I think the only other artist I can think of off the top of my head was like Kendrick when it was like Untitled Unmastered. Um, I yep. think those were to pimp a butterfly, B sides, yeah. and those are great. Yeah, and I was just like, dude, his B sides are hits, yeah. like very sick, ridiculous. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, again, like being a, a working musician, if you really want this a career, like make music. Like, yeah, don't like just sit all day and wait for opportunity to come to you. Yeah, well, I think everyone's used to like the album cycle. It's like come out with an album or do like a six month pre order window, and then you're doing tours of one territory, another territory, another territory. You go into the studio, write a new thing, then loop it. And that's like every two, three years you do that. Yeah. So people get a new album every two or three years. But yeah. There's no touring right now. So. Right. Well, that's why I was also like, if I can just put out a bunch of releases, then maybe if I stop, like I'm too busy or I'm on tour or something, then it's like I have all this other material. People have to wait. And the idea is that if you're casting a wider net every time, then like those people go back and find the old stuff. Right. Yeah, going. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting stuff. If you're, uh, if you're listening, make sure you check out the standard single, the music video, right? The video is coming out. Papaya. Yes. Yeah. Island vibes. Baby. Yeah. It's a yeah. big vibe. It's a big is vibe. Is New Jersey an island? No, dude. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to look on the map. I'm not sure. You think it's Stat Island? No. New Jersey's kind of like an island, right? No, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for thanks for listening. We're Hang gonna on. we're gonna wrap this up. We got we have to find out if New Jersey's an island. There's like water around it, though. Dude, yeah. There's water around California. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're thinking. Yeah, Staten Island. Staten is an island. island. Yeah, island of Staten. That's close. Shout yeah. out. Yeah, we're not on an island right now. No, sorry, but <laughs> check out Papaya. What's the EP called? It's gonna be called Yum. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yeah, you sent me the artwork. Very cool. Sick. All right. All right. Choke artist out. <laughs>